In school, they used to tell you if you had writer's block, well, write what you know. Take your ideas from that. And for me, my podcast has been a lot of what I know. I've had a lot of bands on the show. I've also had a lot of guests from the media. You know, being in Chicago media since the early 90s, I've met a lot of people, made a lot of friends, and it was only natural that I invited a lot of those people into the car to share food with me. So today, it is the best of Media Guests, Volume 1. There will be more. I've had a lot more guests. Uh, And it's brought to you by Boost Mobile. It's lovingly rendered by our friends at Boost Mobile, boostmobile.com. It's Car Con Carne. So like I said, it's the best of media guests, part one, volume one. Uh, There are a lot to get to. I just wanted to blast through a few this week. Uh, Fun guests, a a nice variety, a a cross-section of people who've been in the car. And I wanted to start tonight with my first and really only uh, remote broadcast guest. I was in San Francisco on business at the end of 2016, and I knew that Matt Pinfield lived out there. Now, Matt, you probably know or remember as the host of MTV's 120 Minutes for years. He was, for a lot of people, the source of new music. He was credible. He was clearly into the music. He was friends with all the bands. And he has this unmistakable, gravelly, deep voice. So when I went to San Francisco, I made a plan to get together with Matt over cheeseburgers, which we ate in front of his house in San Francisco. And we started by talking about just Matt's role on MTV. I, I was I was a messenger. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, I feel I've always been the messenger. And one of the things I've said is I'm a music enthusiast, not a music elitist. Right, and th- that is a clear difference. Because you yeah. know those people who are snobby and pissy about how much they know and what they know. Yeah. Not you. Who cares? I mean, yeah. you know, you know what that and like, you know, I just look at that and three and five dollars will get you a venti coffee at Starbucks. Exactly. Actually, it won't. But <laughs> it won't. I, probably not. <laughs> I, I go for the ice quad venti, which is right, like a so six dollar yeah, drink. It's, it's, half, it's right? stupid, dude. Yeah. That leads me to something that bugs me. And I, I'm thinking you'll agree with me. This idea of guilty pleasures. You're talking about music elitism. I used to think maybe in the 90s when I thought it was too cool for school, working at Q101 or whatever, I, I believed that things were guilty pleasures. Now that I've gotten older and smarter, it's just stuff you love. And It is. And you know, it's funny. There's the thing in the book, which I love because I'm in a band, you know, as a teen in the 70s, young teen, playing the teen uh, dances for, um, you know, junior high school Sweet. in yeah. Jersey, right? And we're doing... Bowie, Aerosmith, Kiss, mm-hmm. um, even even Roxy Music and Van Morrison, believe it or not. And then, like, uh, I could just BTO, you know, whatever it was. And it's really funny because when you're a kid, you're, you're so much more self-conscious. So I remember buying the ABBA single SOS. Which is their best song. Yeah, that, it that, is. That builds a great momentum. It does. Uh-huh. Beautiful. The production. The Mad Caddies version of that is awesome. It is. Mad Caddies killed mm-hmm. it, right? It's a great song. <laughs> but when I was a kid, I put the, I'd put the window down. I want nobody in the neighborhood to know I was listening to ABBA. As we continue down this list of Best of Media Guests Part 1, uh, let's move on to Johnny Mars. Uh, if I haven't mentioned it yet, I'm James Van Osdell. And for a brief moment in time, 
I worked at WXRT. And the job I took, I had two different jobs there. I was the music director, uh, but more prominently or more well-known, I replaced Johnny Mars on XRT. It was an interesting time. Um, How long did you last there? What were you there? there (laughs) Johnny. I mean, I mean, don't mean it that way, you know. uh, It was nine months. I'll never forget, they cut you loose. Then they had a staff meeting, and I was invited not to attend. (laughs) Norm said, well, you know, we, we are like family, and we just need to kind of come together, you know, understand what's going on. Here it is. They cut you loose. I'm coming in. Rather than, you know, say, okay, here's what's going on. We're all together now. Here's the new plan. I, I was on the out, outside the entire wow. time. It I was, didn't know that, that part of it. Oh, it, the entire time I was there, I felt like I was crashing a party. Mm. And it's funny, you know, I got the job at XRT. I'm thinking, wow, this is great. People at XRT are there for decades. I, I'll, I'll grow old at this place. <laughs> didn't work out that way. Yeah. And, oh, my God, you know, replacing Johnny Mars in, in time slot only... Um, I can't even tell you how vilified I was. It was I, it was the most demoralizing, debilitating. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't I didn't know that aspect of it at all. Oh, you did a little bit. I knew that you were put in an awkward position. I didn't know that it was the, the audience worst. would come in and like, you know, knife you. It was, <laughs> it was brutal. Well, you know, I was the guy who was playing Cypress Hill two months prior, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Well. You know, that's that's it it ended up that we both ended up in a different place and then you actually encouraged me to apply for the zone job after mm-hmm. you left XRT and went to uh, you know, ninety four seven with uh, Bill Gamble and all the old uh, a lot of the old crew from a lot of them. Q one oh one. And uh, you know, for that I'm definitely uh, grateful that you asked me to join there because it actually what what it did was it was a union shop i yeah. never worked at a union shop before so i was able to get health insurance after a year of employment and i was there part-time for three years and you know i knew kind of it wasn't gonna end up being anything we were all clear on that yeah so i'll never forget i after i left xrt um i i did something kind of goofy on my way out and I, i'm never one to burn bridges i guess i kind of burned Jeez. one year. <laughs> Um, the program director uh, at the time at XRT uh, had an aversion to white cheese, or just cheese in general, I guess. Mm-hmm. He Except kept... on pizza. I think he likes cheese on pizza. Irony noted. Well, I hope he doesn't hear this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Well, this is public information. Yeah, I mean, is, right. right. Yeah. So he kept a lot of his stuff in my office because his office was a little cluttered. And uh, in my office was like a dorm fridge where he'd keep all of his soda. I left a block of cheese on top of his soda before I left. Was... It was kind of a goofy little prank. It took on a life of its own. It was the most ridiculous thing. In hindsight, I pro- the me of today wouldn't have done that. The me back then was kind of frustrated. Hey, and I- you know, I mean, I remember your life a little bit back then. I heard stories that you would be getting into the office at uh, 8 in the morning as the music director, and then he wouldn't show up till noon or 1 and then have to deal with all the calls that were waiting for him. And you were sitting there waiting for a music meeting to happen. It didn't happen till like three or four. And you were, you're, I think you had one new baby at the time, or were Correct. waiting. Oh no, I, I, uh, I was at that point. I had a baby months away. It was imminent. Right. And you were going home to have dinner with your wife, and then having to come back and be on the air. Uh-huh. It was, it was so great. you were there from eight in the morning till like it sounded like my El Paso job. <laughs> it was a, a little bit. You know, it wasn't nearly as grueling, but. You know, I did this thing, and then suddenly Chicago Magazine does this. Oh, yeah. Like, 
anniversary retrospective on XRT. It's like at that point it was the 30th anniversary maybe of XRT 25th. I don't know what it was. Um, and the lead of the story is the cheese thing. I know it did take all on this a life history. Of its own. All this history, all these legendary jocks, you and Terry and Lynn and Frank and Bobby, all that stuff got pushed down because of this goofy story from this guy who, statistically speaking, never even worked there. In the history of XRT, I was there for nine months. It's like I was never even there. A blip, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. One of my all-time favorite guests, to say nothing of favorite media guests, is Abe Cannon. I've known Abe for years. Uh, He hosts his own podcast, The Superior, uh, Abe Cannon on Hold. And he's been on a few times, and one of my favorite memories with Abe was when he came on the show with Bass, who's also part of Abe Cannon on Hold, and Tim Virgin, another repeat guest, uh, all friends of mine, all people who I love, and all people who make me laugh. And we went to Rick Benny's on the south side for breaded steak sandwiches, which are amazing. And this was end of last year, uh, December of 2017, and we talked about the way that people react online to celebrity deaths. Charles Manson, that one really hurts. 2017's really taking out our favorites. <laughs> Is that what you said, Bass? No, I mean, oh. on social media. The, 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 Did he really say have, that? I, no. I, you know what? I meant to text you that, too. Damn it. Ba- Bass and I have noticed on social media, people get so maudlin about people they've never met. Oh, yeah. Whenever a celebrity dies, the dude from Steely Dan, oh, that one really hurts. Yeah. Fuck you, 2017. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the funniest thing is, I remember, I've said that before, I'm like, God, all these people are mourning all these people's deaths. I mean, like Chris Cornell, then I went to Virgin, I'm like, why do people care about Chris Cornell? And Virgin goes, yeah, I was friends with that guy, I used to hang out with him. You're the only one that can say this hurts. Yeah, but it's not hang out, You're hang the out. only one. You were always around him when you, James knows this, I mean, you, you guys all know this, being on, you know, cow show and stuff, Abe, like, you beat these people, then sometimes you go out to dinner with them, and you have like a day or two with them, and then... You know, they'll hit you up every now and then when, like, the record comes out, so... No. It's not like I was hanging out. No, that doesn't happen to any of us. <laughs> yeah, that sorry. To, that's happened to... That's never happened to <laughs> Not once. Yes, my person side to me is, is the wrestler up. X-Pac. <laughs> this is my 17th And that's not even radio. true. That's and, a lie, too. And the only person I ever got, like, hit up by was, like, the roadie for Fall Out Boy. No, you got yeah, hit up by Exhibit. <laughs> you got hit up by Exhibit. Exhibit likes you, bro. And that's true. Yeah. Send Dog. I was I was even worked with Send Dog at the radio. Send Dog, every time Send Dog, he won't even know my name at this point. But he knows you though. He always texts base, yo base. He knows, but yo base, what's up? Shitty bar for an after set. Yeah, man, you want to roll up one for you know, come one for the yeah. Come on through. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. No, but the fake the fake outrage when someone dies. Like I, I I never post anything when someone dies. And like if my if my family member died, how come I these people don't give a shit when their uncle dies? But when, like, uh, uh, you know, uh, who just died? Did, did like, uh, Skippy? Uh, David Charles- Cassidy. David Cassidy. Charles Manson. Yeah. I remember I remember <laughs> watching TV and seeing David. It was just like one of my little brothers. Damn you, 2017. You're with the Angels now. <laughs> it's because of Rest you I decided to get up and become an accountant. Rest in glory, now my I brother. I don't want to say anything right now because now I'm going to go back and look at my Facebook page just <laughs> in case I wrote anything. <laughs> Don Bagdaro, rest in glory, my brother. Yeah, brother, it's been 13 since we've seen you. Oh, that's the worst. That's the worst. Yeah. Bro, it's been 19 years since I lost a dime. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) You didn't lose a dime. 
He doesn't give a shit about you. <laughs> Rest in glory, my brother. I know he's up there right now. No, if, 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 if this whole heaven and hell system works, Dimebag probably didn't make it upstairs. Yeah, right. Probably I'm just guessing. Not. He might have. Who knows? At best, he's hanging around in that purgatory yeah, floor. Exactly. Right. At best, he's in Wait purgatory. for his number. He's in purgatory with, like, uh, Kurt Cobain and John Ritter or yeah. some shit. <laughs> trading off, trading off heroin needles. He's not, he's not upstairs. He's taking out with Lane Staley right Wait, now. How did John oh. Ritter end up with Kurt Cobain? Uh, I, I, he was all that was wholesome. Uh, don't ask. He and lived, by the way, he John, girls. you were some, special to me in my heart. The crazy, Three's Company some, episode where you and I know that guy's guy's walking up. He's in all armies. Yeah, he's got fatigue. Oh, you're outside of Chicago, oh, home of bread and steaks. I just realized Tim's hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I gotta roll the window up. The that dude. Bread and steaks and carjackings. When you're, yeah, when you're wearing all forest camo yeah, in the city. Maybe we should move the car. Best of Media Part 1, uh, Carcon Carne. I had a lot of media guests and friends come to my car to eat food and chat. And back in mid-2016, Amy Guth joined me. Now, Amy is a well-known force of nature in Chicago media. For years, she was the general manager of the Red Eye newspaper, uh, you've probably heard her on WGN Radio through the years, uh, countless television and radio appearances. She most recently was elevated to the head of the Midwest Independent Film Festival. And back in June of 2016, we talked about her documentary work uh, with her taking on online harassment. And we'll get to some of that conversation. But first, puns. Uh, Amy Guth is sitting shotgun, uh, a return guest on Carcon Carne. And Amy, you have so much going on. I, I figured we would talk about it over scones. Yeah, and as coffee. one does. <laughs> as one does. Uh, we're at a place called Scone City, which is an entire sk- city fashioned from scones. And it is uh, a source of endless puns around the word scone. When we decided to go here, uh, there was a pun exchange. Scone Loke was my favorite. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Although, you know, full credit to you for Scone Thugs in Harmony. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, and I'm at some point I'm going to rework the entire lyrics to Alone by Heart to be about scones. Scone Ranger. <laughs> right. Scone Crawford. I, I bet law enforcement doesn't know what to do with this. They don't, and that's the issue. If you get if you get up to a high level cybersecurity person, that's fine. But if you if you're terrified, you you print out your tweets and you walk into a police station, n- nothing is going to happen, most likely. They'll say, um, yeah, you know, we'll keep an eye on it. Yeah, uh, if, and, if anything else happens, you know, make sure you let us know. And sometimes that next thing that could happen could be you getting beheaded or raped or whatever. And that's that's terrifying. And so there's a law enforcement piece. Um, but I think the narratives around it are really the big piece because if we, the, the, the message that we keep sending is this is the normal thing. And if you can't handle it, don't be on Twitter. Don't participate. And that's that's where I call foul because everybody has a right to participate with the expectation of relative safety. A little bit of Carcone Carne history. The show started years ago uh, with a friend of mine, four years ago, with a friend of mine named Mike Braddon. And the idea was we wanted to do a barbecue podcast. We thought we would just go to different barbecue restaurants every week, record the show, and just kind of BS. Of course, there aren't that many barbecue restaurants, but also we learned that if you record inside a restaurant, there's so much ambient noise, it sucks. So we made the, or we had the idea to record the show in my car. Well, long story short, Mike moved to New York. Uh, he's a voiceover artist. He's closer to agency work. And that left me figuring out what to do next with the show. And I decided I wanted to keep doing it. I love the idea of Carcone Carne. And with Mike gone, I transitioned to 
this concept of just having a different guest every week at a different restaurant. And my very first guest, as I kind of relaunched and rebranded Carcon Carne, uh, this was in November of 2015, was Radio Compadre. Is that the right word? A radio colleague, friend, Alex Quigley. And we talked about album sales. It's so funny. I, I watch album sales and I watch what goes on in music on a regular basis. You mentioned Versus. I remember when that came out, debuted, sold, sold like a million copies right out of the gate. Can you imagine in your wildest dreams an artist being able to release an album first week selling anything more than 25,000 copies? Like a, like a new artist? Yeah. Or, or any artist. It, it would, can't be done. It would take... I bet you if Taylor Swift really tried to make it happen, she could make it happen. It would it, not it, not to a million. I just, I, it's changed that much. It would, but it would be something like where she doesn't even like give anyone anything, and you have to buy the whole thing up, up front. It would take something, someone who's worked their entire career to reach the apex of the music industry, and a giant stunt. Yes, to even get close. You're right. And here's the thing: to be certified as a gold-selling record, you need to sell five hundred thousand copies of an album. Mm-hmm. It's at the point now where for an artist to hit gold, it's almost like being a Scientologist and going clear. It's just it's one of those things you've heard about happening. You, you think it might be attainable, but it just doesn't happen. Congratulations, Katy Perry. You've reached OT level six. <laughs> one of Chicago media's biggest rock stars, I mean, true rock stars, he walks in a room, everyone knows who he is, is Man Cow. I, I've been to lunch with this guy, and it's stunning. It's sitting at the table with him, just people rubberneck and crane because... Mancow is who he is. He is a larger-than-life personality. And we went for hot dogs. Uh, God, it was May of 2016. And we talked for so long, I had to break the episode up into two parts. But we talked about what Mancow would do if he ever left radio. And currently, as I record this, he is off the air. But I, I expect, as with any time this happens, it's a short-lived situation for Mancow. But we talked about what he would do if radio ever went away completely. Would you ever podcast, or you think this? No, no. Would you ever... Complete waste of time. Oh, come on. Nobody's making any money, and those people that say they're making money doing podcasts are liars. It's not enough money in it for me. Well, I think a small handful are making money. I don't but think it so. is Few. Few. I, mean, I think it's Corolla. I'm a, I, you, you think it's what? I think Corolla. I think Hardwick. Well. But again, a small few. No, I like Hardwick. I do, too. I wouldn't pay for it. No, well, I, I think it's all sponsorship. I can't imagine a subscription model. For listeners. Well, I guess Irving's is not going to sponsor you now that I said their hot dogs are mediocre. Sorry, But, pal. hey, good news. Gene and Jude yeah. and Superdog might. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> good. Glass half good. full. So uh, are you going to move to the loop? Are you going to go back to radio? I'm enjoying filling in. I'm, you you put work into your show. You, you, you have little tidbits of information about the artists and the songs, and people like that stuff. Uh, the enigma, the question. This is this is what excites the listener. They, they want to know these things. They don't like feeling like they don't know something and you you bring them in and give them a little bit of information so don't you resent guys that wing it i do that that yeah that's i i just i, I have a work ethic whatever you know when i started in radio i wanted to be in radio because i love music i wanted to be able to talk about music and play it and what yep. i found so shocking when i started working at q101 was a lot of the disc jockeys there really just wanted to hear themselves talk. I mean, it didn't matter if they were playing Britney Spears or Nine Inch Nails. Not like I've talked a lot here. But you do personality radio. I mean, I I think what you do kind of transcends that very narrow... See, this is a beautiful woman, this thing called radio. I love her. Uh, I consider that studio a temple. I don't curse in the studio. I treat it with respect. This is my temple. And you talked about me with the listeners. God is first with me, 
and the other person is second. That's the listener, and I'm third. And it is sacred, and there is there is a trust. And I look, I fail, but I do try to entertain. I don't try to take their time for granted. Every second is precious in people's lives. It's important what we do to make somebody laugh, to make them think, to make them feel on the way to work in a society that doesn't feel. So my day job, as I record this, I, I do digital content for three different Chicago radio stations, uh, WLS-FM, WSAM, and 101 WKQX. I also do the local music show, Demo 312, on 101 WKQX. There is a shocking amount of talent in the building, and, and specifically at WKQX. And back in mid, yeah, it was May of 2016, I had Lauren, Lauren O'Neill, uh, who does middays at WKQX, jump in the car for a test run of a television pilot that never happened, but it was fun working on it. And we talked about Lauren's favorite concert memory. The most impactful concert that I've ever been a part of was our first Night We Stole Christmas here because it was Q87.7. We were facing so many challenges just being on that frequency because sure. people's cars, radios didn't go down that low. Right. We couldn't tell if anyone heard us, the, the way knew I, we I, existed. The way I described it back then, have you ever seen the movie Being John Malkovich where the elevator stops on like the 13 and a half floor? Yeah. That's the way I felt 87.7 was on the, on the <laughs> dial. Like, some people can figure out how to get there, but not everybody. Yeah, no, and we kind of used that. We did guerrilla marketing. I mean, it was... I remember seeing that the station did that and, and booked that show. I thought, wow. Like, I was, you know, looking at it from the outside. I can't believe they actually pulled that off. Yeah. And it was a sold-out show at the Aragon, which was my probably my first time at the venue. And there's nothing like that in Florida. There's nothing sure. like a lot... Of Chicago mm-hmm. down south, I should say. But um, you ever seen a real just... gator? Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. I've eaten real gator. Have you really? <laughs> yeah. Was it tasty? But like? you haven't. It's like chicken. You know, growing up in Chicago, as far as media superstars go, Bob Surratt to me has always been on that short list, and his work with his wife Marion Marciano, very well known. Uh, they've been on television together. They've been on radio together. And in 2016, March of 2016, uh, they did my car together. Marianne Marciano, Bob Surratt. So we went to 90 miles for for a lunch today. Uh, Thanks for jumping in the Mazda for this one. This is unbelievable. (laughs) All the best restaurants, I think, are in strip malls. Well, as malls go in this area, this is maybe number three on the list. Maybe you'd put Old Orchard number one, throw Northbrook Court behind that. Maybe this is number three, just ahead of the Lincoln Village strip mall that has a Panera and a GameStop. Yeah, I'm, I, I have to say I haven't been to this one a lot. Uh, although now that um, the Cuban restaurant is here, maybe we'll be here more, Marianne. I really like the decor in that restaurant too. The, they have miles. one on Armitage. You know why it's called Ninety Miles, don't you? Is mm. it because it's ninety miles from Cuba to Key West? So you can see Cuba on a good day. On a good day, I have actually, well. I don't know. It looked like land. So, <laughs> it might have been land. Thank you, Sarah Palin. <laughs> so, Marianne, your, your heritage is Cuban, yes? I was actually born in Cuba. I, I am Cuban. So how did your family get out of Cuba? Oh, wow. Well, that was a long time ago. Um, so Castro was already in power. And my family, most of my dad's brothers were in aviation. My dad was a pilot, his brother was a pilot, his dad was a pilot, 
other two brothers um, just in the aviation industry, except for one who had moved to um, to Florida in the 40s. And um, so what happened is that they, I mean, all the businesses were taken over. They were nationalized, you know, by the government. And so the it was called Guana de it is called Guana de Aviacion that's the, the 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 company that he worked for it was the only airline in Cuba and in order to first of all you couldn't leave the country you i mean they closed the borders and you could not leave hence my question and so um what they did is they planned a huge escape and the way that the escape had to work was that Everyone in the family had to leave at the same time because if you didn't leave at the same time, whoever was left behind was either um, jailed or persecuted in some way or they would lose their jobs. This is an awesome movie, but it's your life. Yeah. (laughs) So they had to coordinate the right time in order to plan their, their escape. And it took about a year to plan this because um, some of the women in the family, including my mom were pregnant and they didn't want to leave until they had their kids because they didn't know what they would find for real in terms of hospital care yeah. and all that. And they didn't. Yeah, want but they're frightened. I mean, that sounds it was, it's, terrifying. It's, it's yeah. scary. Imagine you're pregnant, and you know you're gonna you're gonna have a baby soon. You're maybe your third. In in two cases, my mom's case and her sister-in-law, their third child, and they just thought, no, the child should be born in Cuba. Then we will take off. So when all the women were done having babies, the the last ones were. On December 4th and December 5th. And within the next month, all the brothers left with their families. And um, what they did basically was they said, they they were trusted by the government, by the way. They were pilots. And um, they said that their mother was in Florida on her deathbed and that everybody in the family needed to go for a weekend at least for a few days to say goodbye to her. So uh, little by little on different flights, within a span of a couple of weeks, everybody left. And that's it. The best of media. Volume 1 on Carco and Carney. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you like this show, please feel free to share it. Tell a friend. Uh, we are on iTunes, Google Play Music, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, anywhere you find podcasts. I think I'm still on iHeart, right? iHeart and TuneIn, yeah. Uh, and they are carconcarne.com. Thank you again for listening, and thank you again to all my media, all my media friends for playing along. And the podcast is all brought to you by Boost Mobile, naturally.